Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode 15 of the Lessons Learned podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2020. I can't believe it's already the new year. I can't believe the energy that this year has brought with it. I have, it's, it's this eighth today. I was just journaling and reflecting on this last week already and so much has already unfolded on this side of the mic. So much has unfolded, which also means for me that so much fear has already been triggered. And so today's episode, I want to dive into with all of you what it looks like to commit to our dreams, goals, intentions, resolutions, but also what we do when the fear comes up, when the doubt rears its head. How do we persevere through those things? Before that, I'm just going to give you guys a little update about my holidays. Following our last episode last year, I ended up going home to Grand Prairie, Alberta, where I was born and raised, and spent 10 days with my family. And while I was home, it was a beautiful trip home. I got to spend so much time with my cousins, with my brother, my sister-in-law, my nieces and nephews. We went tobogganing, had endless turkey dinners. And what ended up happening for me, this was the longest trip home I've had in a while, was that closer to the end, unexpectedly, I got really in my head. I think that when we go home, we often hear that we can regress to our childhood selves or or the version of ourselves that we were when we last lived there or were there. And it's always been really hard for me to fully be myself when I go home. Or I have this belief in my mind that I'm not fully accepted, perhaps, when I am myself when I'm at home. That I might be too much. I might, um, you know, I, I just might rub people the wrong way or not be seen in my fullness or might be judged for who I really am. And over the past few years, I've really started to challenge myself in that belief and go out of my way to really... um work on that because my family wants the best for me and we want the best for each other and I genuinely deeply believe that and the stories and beliefs that I hold within myself that are counter to that are my shit to figure out and that's why it felt so unexpected on this trip because going home I was really in a powerful groove with having committed with Kim and the team to the logistics and planning of the tour to really starting to go all in on the talk show. But once I got home, it's like I couldn't even talk about it because how do you go to like, you know, family dinner and talk about your dream talk show that you want to go global and all these big dreams that you might have? It's not even about being at home. It's just like, This isn't a quote-unquote normal dream or goal to have. And that can be really isolating sometimes. And, you know, I feel so powerfully grateful for Mitch and our relationship because he never makes me feel 
Um, He never makes me feel crazy for having the dreams and goals that I do have. And for that, I'm like profoundly grateful. So he helped walk me through a lot of my thought process on a couple nights when I was really being hard on myself or just not feeling connected where I felt that isolation. And one of those nights, I just realized that the way that I wanted to start 2020 wasn't back in Ottawa, but I had had this dream earlier in the fall. It was actually, I found out that Oprah was going to be doing her Vision 2020 tour with WW, formerly Weight Watchers, and she was going to be launching it in Fort Lauderdale on January 4th. And that same week, Rachel Hollis, who is another personal development um, person who I've been following the last couple of years, who I've been curious to engage with more with her live events, was going to be having um, her first RISE conference of 2020 in Fort Myers, which is about two hours from Fort Lauderdale on uh, January 9th to the 11th. And I, it was the same week that I found out that Michelle Obama was coming to Ottawa and I was starting to plant and work on that dream um, that I decided, I was like, I would love to go to Florida and bookend a week with those two events. What a way to start a decade. What a way to start a year. Fast forward a couple of months and I had convinced myself out of it. I thought, you know, I don't need to go to these events. You know, do I really need to go to an event to be inspired? My mom was like in my ear a little bit because she is very someone who is very self-motivated and inspired and finds a lot of purpose just within herself. I remember us going to um, Oprah's Super Soul Sessions and her at the end of the day, I was like, Ma, what did you think? And like you, Tony Robbins was speaking and Oprah was speaking and Marie Forleo and all these different incredible humans. And she was just like, it was just okay. All the things that they were saying to that, like to the audience are things that I believe wholeheartedly and say to myself on a daily. So I can see why this is valuable for some people, but I I don't find great value in it. So obviously I would have a little, you know, nugget in my brain where I'm like, do I really need to go to these events? But I do love being in community with people who are seeking their personal growth and development. I do love feeling inspired in a room of what ended up being 15,000 people with Oprah uh, for a seven-hour day. I was very tired and jet-lagged, but it was an incredible, remarkable day. Um, So, spoiler alert, I did end up coming. So after having convinced myself out of it, I realized that I was having a fear of like maybe what was going to happen if I showed up. I had a fear of spending too much money. I had a fear of what if no one wants to go with me? I initially tried to plan the trip with a couple new friends in Ottawa and then tried to ask Mitch if he would come for the Oprah event. And when it didn't work out with his work schedule, I just realized you just need to go alone. I haven't done a long solo trip like this that wasn't just work events or back-to-back, you know, switching of cities in years. So it was nerve-wracking and there was a lot of fear that crept up with doing this, but there was that deeper part of me that just knew I had to be here. I had to show up for myself. I had to take time for myself. I had to start this year and decade off right, especially with the scale of the dreams that I'm trying to bring to life right now. And so I booked it and I did a silly thing. I don't know why I did this, but I think I did because I knew that it like that it would just be more palatable for the people around me. But Mitch and I made the decision together, but I had shared with my 
friends and family that Mitch had bought me the ticket as a Christmas gift and it was a surprise. It wasn't really a surprise. We talked about it together and it was something he deeply encouraged me to do. Um, And so I came. And it was the best decision I could have possibly made. I had it in my heart that there was something in me to say to Oprah. And I didn't know that I was going to be in the meet and greet until the day before the event. I reached out to my contact at uh, OWN from Super Soul days, back when I was on the Super Soul 100. And VIP meet and greet tickets were like insane. They were like $3,000 US each and you had to buy a pair of them. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to do that. I explored all the possibilities that were in front of me. And, you know, I had already booked my flight. I didn't have a ticket for the event until like a day and a half before I decided. I was like, just book a single ticket. I I found a floor seat that was a single cheaper than face value, which was amazing. Um, Got that. It was in the third row. I was beside these incredible women who I got to make uh, new friends. Yay, new friends. (laughs) Um, And then the day before, I got confirmed via my contact at own to go to the meet and greet and so this nugget in my heart that I wanted to say to Oprah I was like wow I'm actually going to have the opportunity to say it to her and I know like you're probably like just tell us what you said to her but it's very personal to me the ask that I made for her from her and but what I will tell you is when I shared with her my vision for the show and what's next for me. Part of the reason it felt so important to pitch Oprah and to go to her and tell her about this dream and then make the ask that I did was because my two words for 2020 are clarity, so vision 2020, but clarity of vision, so where I'm going, what I'm trying to build, I have to remain very clear on what that end goal is, on what that bigger dream is. And the reason for that is because there is now a team of people working towards that greater vision. So if I become, if it becomes murky, if it's not clear, if it's not precise, I risk influencing my team in a negative way towards our end goal. So clarity is a huge part of this for me. It also helps me stay grounded in the larger dream, even though it feels so vast. So for me, it's launching the talk show officially. So lessons learned part one or iteration one is this podcast. By the spring, when we go on tour, it's going to be a web series as well. We're going to be interviewing guests at events live, and we're going to be scaling from there further. And so this vision needs to be very strong within me. And in my heart of hearts, I know that this show is going to scale huge stories of resilience and rising are so important culturally right now so that we can look to each other and our stories to know how did they pick themselves back up what did they do when they hit rock bottom how did they become who they are today and I know there's going to be a deep resonance with the conversations that are going to be had on this show and so when I told her the vision when I told her that this was my year She held my hands and she said, I believe so deeply in the power of our words and our intentions. And she just nodded her hands, head and held my hands and said, I believe you. I believe in the power of us making manifest what we speak aloud. And I was blown away that she was receptive to my ask after that and that I was able to connect with her team after that for follow up. And so 
I did the really scary thing. All day that day, I was trying to convince myself out of it. The feeling I had when I went to pitch Michelle Obama was certainty, clarity. I had memorized my pitch. I was certain. And it happened, the meet and greet with Michelle Obama happened prior to the actual event. The meet and greet with Oprah happened post the 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. event. So you can imagine you're going through a roller coaster of emotions throughout the day as you're going through the various speakers who are speaking, the workbook that you're doing. But it was all about intention. It was all about purpose. It was all about why we're here to do what we do. So in a lot of ways, it strengthened me further for what I was going to say to Oprah. But in a lot of ways, too, it tired me out. So I had a lot of doubt throughout the day of like, I kept texting Mitch, like, am I really going to do this? Am I really about to do this? And he said, I don't know. I was like, that's not the response I was looking for. <laughs> he was like, well, I, whatever you want to do, babe, like that's whatever you're called to do, trust your gut, trust your intuition. And so at the meet and greet, I waited and waited until the meet and greet line had thinned out. I was the second last to go up and I just went with the power of intention and a full embodied spirit. And it just felt like it wasn't even me saying what I was saying. It was being spoken through me and it was powerful. And of course, afterwards, there was moments of doubt. And when I look at my journal from the next day, I'm worried about what her team thinks of me and different things. But in that moment, I was my fully embodied version of myself and that dream and that knowing of where I'm going and what I'm here to do. And what I, why I wanted to talk about fear today is because it's Wednesday. Tomorrow, today I head to Fort Myers for the Rachel Hollis event that starts tomorrow. And the days of quiet between the Oprah event, the, you know, kind of come down from that and from the holidays, because I wasn't sleeping great over the holidays back home. Two hours time change is shockingly like causes me some jet lag. And so I'm just back in my proper schedule. And yesterday, you know, there's been some changes in our stock portfolio that have been, you know, very challenging for me to process and be with. And so there's been a lot of challenge the last few days. And being alone here in Florida, all I've been left with are my thoughts. And when we're alone with our thoughts, we can really realize how how shitty we can be to ourselves, but also how how much control we have over our thoughts and it took me a day to reset to reground to check in with myself and to stop being a total asshole to myself but I also think that we sometimes need those moments of not being kind to ourselves so that we can realize what we do want to be how we do want to behave how we do want to speak to ourselves and a lot of the time that jerk in our brain is trying to protect us It is just trying to keep us safe. And we hear this all the time when it comes to fear, when it comes to self-doubt, when it comes to ego. It's just trying to keep us safe. And thankfully, right now I'm reading Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. And the chapter I was on was all about fear. And that's what I wanted to share a little bit about in terms of how do you work through that fear when it's staring you in the face And I'm going to practically share with you what I did this last couple of days to come out of this fear. And I'm not fully out of it. It's it's going to stay through this whole process. Don't get me wrong. But this is what I was able to action 
to figure out my next right steps. So when I feel fear or when I have that fear reaction, it's often because of a thought or a belief. And my reaction to that can sometimes be over-exaggerated. It can be that whole fight or flight response. Is this a near-death situation? Is it not? It's hard for our bodies to differentiate and our minds to differentiate because we live relatively safe lives compared to you know, when we were foragers or hunters and actually needed life or death responses. And yes, absolutely, people still use that. You use your intuition, your instinct when you're in scary situations. Um, but most of the time when our fear response kicks in, it's not because it's a life or death situation. And so that irrational thought or that fear that comes up, it had an undue response in my body. It made me you know, you have fight, flight, or freeze. Fortunately, when I'm in like actual life or death situations, I fight or like figure the situation out. Um, but when I have these, you know, very buried thoughts in my brain, I want to freeze. I want to stay in bed. I want to be sluggish. I feel like molasses. I don't want to move quickly. I don't want to sometimes move at all. I just get paralyzed. And what works for me to move through that paralysis is analysis and I know a lot of people are like paralysis like analysis paralysis where you're overthinking it but I am a writer I am someone who needs to write it out to feel it out um, alongside moving through it so when I'm feeling like I'm in that molasses it's really important for me to try and convince myself to be active but if I'm not quite in a place to like move through it which could very easily just be a walk change of state change of scenery um, writing helps so much in Everything is Figure Outable, Marie offers um, this suggestion of writing out the worst case scenario of the fear and the best case scenario of your fears. So going down that rabbit hole of if this were to happen, what is the worst possible outcome? The worst of the worst, the beyond rock bottom. And then when you have that written out to write, how would I come out of that? What would my action plan be to come through that? So that you can look at it, stare it stare it down and say, even if this was the worst case scenario, I would have an action plan to get out of it. It kicks in that rational part of the brain that can be like, oh, right, like this isn't maybe as terrible as I thought it was. Or even if it gets to the point that I'm terrified about, I could still figure it out. Everything is figure outable. Um, what I added to that, uh, and I didn't go down the worst case scenario hole, but what I did go down was, okay, you're having this fear. Let's talk about what, what it is going to call of you to move through this fear and this belief around what you're doing. And for me right now, what it is, is I have now set things up with Kim where logistics and tour planning are going to happen and are out of my wheelhouse. She's taking it. She's managing the team. I'm working with her to support her as much as I possibly can. Now, when it comes to creative and the ideas and dreams I have for the podcast and the show itself, even before we hit the road, I have work to do when it comes to articulating my thoughts and dreams and plans to my creative team and starting to figure out what the right next steps are to level up the show before we even hit the road. And as I work through those action steps of what are the next right steps on creative? What do I have to face? What is What are the tough things I'm going to have to do? What, what needs to take place for this show to elevate? That's what I had to work through this morning. And then 
beyond that, and I've talked about this multiple times on the show, when I pitched Oprah, at the end of it, I was like, if I can pitch Oprah, I can pitch any partner or sponsor for my fiscal sponsorship for the tour. Like, I got this. And I was so hot, like on a high, I was feeling great about the potential outcomes of sponsorship and pitching. But in the quiet of the last two days, my doubt and fear within myself have kicked back in. So what I ended up journaling about was, what do I need to do to work through this fear to get to those pitches? And a lot of it's already in motion. A very cohesive pitch deck, uh, reaching out to my network and figuring out the people who can action for me and get me in front of the right folks, shortlisting my brands that I love so much, which I've already done. So right now, I am in a state place where it's action is going to create clarity. So action is going to help me come out of this fear, out of this paralysis. So I'm just kind of like at the start line, prepping to take off, but I have those nervous jitters before the takeoff. And this is another thing of like looking at, am I anxious or am I excited? As we've heard many times, it's the same physiological response, butterflies in the stomach, you know, that feeling of constriction within the body, um, elevated heart rate, different things like that. Am I anxious or am I excited about this next step? And we can often choose which of those two things we want it to be. And it can go back and forth. It can oscillate. But if I stand on the side of excitement a little bit more than the side of fear or anxiety, then I'm winning. And in this situation, I'm at the start line. It's time to act. I'm waiting on my final set of assets for me to be able to actually do this and start pitching because, oh my God, do I love pitching? Like if pitching Oprah reminded me of anything, it's the rush, the adrenaline, the go, even though it was scary, I did it and it felt fucking awesome. (laughs) So I'm excited for this next period, but I had to remind myself of that by writing it out, by writing out what this fear is calling me to do. And so I want to read this quote that Marie shares from The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Marie uh, refers to this on page 98 of Everything is Figureoutable. The more scared we are of a work or calling, the more sure we can be that we have to do it. Therefore, the more fear we feel about a specific enterprise, the more certain we can be that that enterprise is important to us and to the growth of our soul. Our fears indicate what we most want in our lives. They show us what we're here to do, what we're called to do, and they indicate often the most important work that we are here to accomplish. I have been so afraid of this, having this dream of having a talk show for years. Years, my friends have been telling me this is what I should be doing. But I've been too afraid to own my own dream, to own my own calling. So to finally be doing it, the fear is so prescient. It's so palpable. It's so here. But I have the opportunity and the privilege to work through that fear every single day and hopefully to get to the other side of accomplishment and to feel like I am actually in my purpose and calling of what I am here to do every single day. I've had tastes of it. I've had indications of it. The, as people would say, the manifestation or the lining up or the serendipity of getting into the meet and greet the day before coming to Florida because I made the commitment to show up, to be here. Things started lining up. 
the people that I met there, the opportunities that I have. Things line up when we go for our dreams. It might be confirmation bias. Who knows? I don't know about scientific evidence about these things, but I do know the trends and patterns of my life have shown me that if I show up, if I go boldly towards the fear, things work out. And this is the reminder I needed about that because I was stuck in fear for the last 36 hours. I want to end on this note. There were two passages in Everything is Figureoutable that really resonated and stuck with me. And they're about commitment. And as I shared, committing to this bigger dream is felt unfathomable a few years ago, but now that I'm in it, feels so right, even though it's so scary. And before I go into these two passages, another thing that Marie said was, think of failure as an event. It's not a characteristic. You can never truly be a failure. And she tells me to think of, or tells us to think of failure as a faithful attempt in learning. And so when, pe- when you're worried about failure, if failure is a big part of your fear structure or belief system, it's okay to fail. It's a learning. It's a lesson learned. Failure is not indicative of your quality or characteristics as a human or your potential as an individual. It just shows you had the courage to try something and the courage to fail. When I look at core space and building a startup and shutting it down within 10 months, to me, it was not a failure. To me, it was the next right step in the journey of me getting to this moment. It was the bridge I needed to get to lessons learned. It was the bridge I needed to launch my talk show. Failure is an illusion. Failure is fear trying to hold you back. So now let's talk about commitment. Let's talk about the thing that you've committed to this year, whether it's your resolution, whether it's a goal that you've continued forward, new year, new you, or new year, same you, whatever it happens to be, the thing that you're working towards. Marie says, you wouldn't have the dream if you didn't already have what it takes to make it happen. Mm. That hit my heart so intensely when I read it. Another passage that she shares is from William Hutchinson Murray, a Scottish mountaineer. He says, Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all matter of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamt would have come his way. This is what I'm talking about. When we go all in, when we commit, when we truly make the decision, to go forth with our dream, intention, plan, goal, resolution. Things have a way of working in your favor. The universe, for a lack of a better term, has a way of showing up 
and helping you get there. So give yourself the chance of getting support from the people around you, from the world around you, to make those dreams come to life. Go all in on you, on those intentions, goals, dreams, whatever's inside your heart that you have committed to. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Happy New Year, you guys. I love you so much. Let's make 2020 excellent. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Gomal, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at Lessons Learned Podcast underscore. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs and submit there or on the website along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys. Bye.